welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneurs Sushi Club podcast. I'm your host, Lupna, and I'm flying solo today. The Entrepreneurs Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. And boy, do I have someone special for you this week. And I know I say this every week, but let's be honest, every sushi adoring entrepreneur is special. Her name is Maya Riez. She's best known as a celebrity manager and PR to the stars. I hope we're going to get her to share some of these stars she's been working with, if she can. Having managed the reputation of the well-known personalities from the world of business, TV and showbiz, she has recently pivoted the word of 2020, ladies and gentlemen. She is now a publicity coach, helping entrepreneurs to become famous through the power of PR, who can use a lot of PR. She has put her business clients on TV shows such as ITV, daytime shows, national newspapers, monthly magazines, national radio stations, and many more. She's also the founder of Social Media Kindness Day in memory of Caroline Flack. I love kindness and I love that you've done this in memory of Caroline Flack. The campaign went worldwide with the support of the one and only Meghan Markle. Help me in welcoming Maya. Oh, God, I have to practice your name. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's the way it's spelled, but I'm used to hearing so many different variations of it. Thank you for having me, Lubna. Ah, great, great, great. So let's start with the most important question of the podcast. What's your favorite sushi and why? It's Yuramaki, you know, the one that's got the bits inside and then the bits on the outside. It's because you can have so many different fillings in it. So when I say Aromaki, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Aromaki, people are like, what's that? I'm like, are you even a sushi fan? (laughs) I know, you have to adore sushi. That's the level. I like sushi. You probably don't even know the names of the sushi. When you adore sushi, you know the names of the sushi and what's in them and the variations that are on a menu of a sushi restaurant. But yeah, I love that. Absolutely. And why? Because you said, because you can have different topics, but why specifically that one? Because there's so many different variations on a sushi menu. Yeah. So I'm torn between that and the timaki, which is the roll, only because you get more for your books. I'm not really a fan of like the maki or anything like that because it's so tiny <laughs> and, you know, you just feel so full because they only give you about six, don't they, on a yeah. tray. <laughs> and you think, I could have more, but it satisfies you, whereas anything less. And also the fact that you get the filling and you get it on the outside as well. So you can have like salmon or sashimi wrapped on the top <laughs> and then dipping soy Oh, my gosh, I've not even had lunch. You're making me hungry. <laughs> salivating thinking oh my god I want some sushi now (laughs) do you remember when you started to like sushi because majority of our guests it didn't start until they were adults in most cases but they all have an origin story what's your origin story do you know what I don't really have an origin story of sushi it started when I was an adult my family don't like sushi my sister's kind of 
toying with her. But when it says she likes sushi, it means the ones that she had in a meal deal from Boots or something. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not sushi. <laughs> no, no. I was like, let me take you to the best sushi places in London. And then she's like, oh, they're really pricey. I'm like, that's sushi, good quality. So I don't come from a family of sushi lovers, if you like. I like experimenting with food. And I was like, oh, what's that? And if I'm honest, I felt a bit more sophisticated (laughs) having sushi. You know, when I was growing up, I'm like, oh, that's a bit varied. It's not what I've had at home. And so, yeah, I don't have an origin story. I tried really hard to think, when was my first sushi experience? And if I'm honest, it's probably the High Street Yo Sushi stores chains that I went with a friend. But then I am so hooked on it. (laughs) Well, to be fair, I mean, I've been to a variety of sushi restaurants here in the Netherlands. There are a variety of sushi restaurants. So I've done the all you can eat and some of them are good, are good sushi, to be fair, even though it's all you can eat. But I've also done the high end sushi places and where the sushi is so expensive that you're thinking, oh my God, for that same amount, I could have had five or six rounds of all you can eat at a different restaurant. I've even had sushi abroad. So I've been to London and had sushi in many places in London multiple times. Uh, Usually I always try to find a sushi place when I'm abroad just to experience it. But I get why you would say you feel sophisticated. I mean, still remember when I had sushi at Sushi Samba in London for the very first time, that's where I discovered that there is one in Amsterdam here in the Netherlands. And I thought, you have to go to Sushi Samba in London to discover there's one in the Netherlands, which is far closer to me than the one in London. But I remember going in there and thinking, oh boy. I mean, the Ritz was one thing in London. I felt underdressed there, but Sushi Samba in London, I really felt underdressed. And well, I thought, oh boy, this is really high end. So I get why you would say you feel sophisticated. It really does make you feel that way. Yeah, I still yet to, the only thing that lets me down in my pursuit of sophistication is I can't use a chopstick. <gasps> I have to have, I know, I know. I remember, I think it was for my 30th, I went to a couple of friends to Sushi Samba, actually. And I really wanted to be like, you know, use Use a chopstick. And I'm like, I don't, (laughs) because I'm like, you can't ask for it. But in the end, I gave up and had to have the, I call them the baby ones, you know, the clipping ones. And I have videos of my friend Gareth showing me how to do, you know, Grab it. I'm like, you make it look so easy that we had a whole session on that. And I'm like, you know what? Grab my fingers, take the <laughs> sashimi, and then in my mouth, <laughs> you know, I'm like, all this good sushi. So that is my 2021 goal to try and, but then we're not going out. So it's pointless, isn't it? <laughs> we're still in lockdown here. So, yeah. Yeah, no, but to be fair, my friends know that I'm a sushi addict. So for one of my birthdays a couple of years ago, they gifted me special chopsticks. So instead of getting them in a restaurant, you get proper chopsticks. So that word is really difficult for me today. But when I order sushi in, you get those wooden ones. And sometimes they give me way too much. And I've used that to practice. And it's better to you, I guess if there was a variation, level absolute below zero is to use a fork. 
in a sushi restaurant, then you really didn't get the memo. The second level is the chopsticks that are with the, the baby, the baby ones, the children version, yeah. and then you graduate to proper chop stick use but it did it took me a while to get those where do I put what and where now it's automatic I don't even think about it so I, I get that you'll get there it's your 2021 goal so I'll accept that for now do you, do you know what if I ever ask for a fork in a sushi restaurant I'm sure I'll get thrown out for offending them so I'm not stooped to that level and then I took my sister for her 30th, actually, to Sushi Samba and treated it. It was late at night. We're here. I've got to take you. She's like, oh, this is nice. And then it was like, oh, because we didn't book a table. It was quite late at night. Yeah. So we had one of those side seats and then they bring you out this platter. And she's like, how much? I'm like, no, go look at the price. I'm paying for it. <laughs> and she just was like, but I'm not full at the end of it. That's what she said. <laughs> I'm not full. We've spent all this money. I've spent it, but there's a couple of things in life you can't compromise. Yeah. Good quality toilet paper. You know, <laughs> don't get the cheap stuff. <laughs> and sushi, you don't want the boots meal deal because it's not. Not even to get you started. I mean, I've been known to convert people from non-sushi lovers to sushi lovers. I wouldn't even get them. I would get them started on a California roll or some veggie roll, but not boots sushi. That's just, no. I can't even see how wrong that is. Absolutely. Okay, let's try this. Now, one of my favorite questions to ask our guest is if you, so you as a person and your personality were a sushi, what would the ingredients be? Oh, It'd have to have kind of a mashup of everything, kind of the rice, because it gives you substance. And I don't know the logic behind it, but it's just the ones I like. Avocado, because it course. kind of brings healthy elements into it. And then the sashimi and a bit of soy sauce, all but, kind of wrapped up in one. Tuna or salmon sashimi or any other sashimi? Salmon. Yeah, okay. no, no, salmon sashimi all like into a ball <laughs> yeah. I don't know why just like a decent size I know you can get the aramaki but no pop it all together oh. and then just eat it like you would an energy ball or something Ooh. and then I don't know and then dipped into soy sauce and then just with your hands like <laughs> so and why yeah give I don't know what that little... says about my personality yeah yeah just why what does it tell our listeners um, about you? I'm just trying to, I don't know. I just like all of my favorite things all at once. Like when some people say, oh, I'll save my best to last. And if they really like sushi and it's on a plate or sashimi and they eat it last, I'm like, no, give it to me all at once. I want all the good stuff at once, I guess, rather than having the sashimi on its own or the avocado in a California roll or something. No, give it to me all in one. I don't want to wait. <laughs> and I guess that's what it says about me. Cool. And if your business were a sushi, would there be anything different? Oh, good question. If my business was a sushi. Do you know what? When I was thinking about this, I thought I don't personalize sushi as anything. I don't give it that much 
thought in terms of personality or, or anything. I don't. I like to add. I don't know crab into it for this. I don't know why, but I don't. Yeah, I find that really difficult to answer that one. But again, yeah, throw all the good stuff in it because I can do it business wise and I I can eat it. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, but there are different ways you can look at personality. And one of the most reliable models of personality is called the big five, the five factor model. And it's five dimensions and it's a range. So that's not fixed. And one of them, the most known and the most used, I think, is whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or you're someone who's in the middle, which is called an ambivert. So extroverted personality, like the more colorful, punchy sushis. The more introverted, keep it very one or singular ingredient sushis, if you catch my drift and anything in between. So that's one of the dimensions. Another dimension is whether you're open to change or you don't like change. You like status quo and comfort zone. And both of them are fine on its own. It's just so that you know. And people are open, like to experiment with their sushi. So they would more definitely, most likely go to sushi samba, which is a fusion sushi. It's not the pure sushi. And those in comfort zone will stay with the California roll. <laughs> Does that give you some insights on yeah, how you can I would, look at it? The only reason I'd eat a California roll was because it's part of a platter. <laughs> I would never order it because it's just like, give me, yeah, that makes total sense. Give me flavor, give me a punch I can't do anything spicy though and sushi I don't like spicy food anyway so but I'm like I want it all so that's probably why I like aromaki actually yeah when you put it like that it's all in one I can add my own topping I've got bit in the middle I've got substance which is a rice and yeah actually that makes perfect sense <laughs> yeah lovely well we've got a to the topic of your business you are in PR tell me more so yeah my title I'm very well aware sounds more glamorous than what I actually do do <laughs> so it's not all people on social media might who follow me might see my profile of me at the BAFTAs I promise you I don't always look as glamorous as that yeah it's not all red carpet and uh, parties and glamorous events it is when people ask what I do and they assume it's the glamour, but it's actually in the nicest possible way. And if any of my clients are listening to this, they will appreciate it. But it's dealing with divas. Yeah. That's the easiest way I can put it. You know, I usually get the phone call at four in the morning saying I've been packed in Mahiki with someone I shouldn't have been with can you help me and I'm like four in the morning I thought you were staying home tonight <laughs> or I get a phone call before a solicitor should be getting a phone call I'm their first port of call yeah and that's because you build that relationship and their reputation to me is at the utmost importance yeah um so I will go to the end degree 4 a.m or 4 p.m to protect their reputation and it's one of those professions that anything could happen so as we know you and I are on clubhouse yes anything could have happened yesterday when Elon Musk made that announcement yeah now 
I would be very nervous if I was his PR because he literally broke Clubhouse. Like there was been glitches all the time when he came on it. The artifacts would be all the publications wanting an interview with him, speaking about what's happened, contacting the PR nonstop. It's that kind of world when you never know who makes the news, what makes the news. Yeah. And it's all very fast paced. Yeah. And it sounds fast paced and it sounds like all or nothing. When it blows up, it blows up in all of its glamour, you could say. <laughs> but when there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing. And there is no in between almost, if that makes any yeah, sense. So That's my vision of PR. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess the period of lockdown with the entertainment industry being closed, everything being closed, you know, there's only so much mischief or trouble you can probably get into on your own or at home or whatever. So it's been very quiet, which has allowed me to pivot, which I wanted to do for a while. But it is, you never know when something's happening. And yes, when it's quiet, it's quiet and when the media want you, they want all of you. Yeah. So my job is to be the middle person and negotiate in what way the media work with my client, but how much does my client want to talk to the media? Yeah. And you've pivoted to from celebrities to entrepreneurs. Why? Okay, so I've been in the industry for so long that I wanted to leave before it made me bitter ah. kind of thing. It's that kind of world that can suck you in. Mm. And so far, I've done quite well with it not sucking me in. And it's full on. However, PR is PR, whether you do it for the queen or the small business owner running their business from their kitchen table. Mm -hmm. And I know the power of PR. So when you translate that to a business owner, it's incredibly powerful because PR is not just for celebrities. I may do PR for celebrities, but getting business owners on TV in magazines, it makes my heart sing. And I know that can sound cheesy, but actually I love the impacts of someone, a client of mine being on TV and seeing what that brings. Because I don't believe in vanity PR. When I talk about vanity PR, it's like vanity metrics on yeah. social media your followers yeah. for the sake of followers I don't believe in that you know you need a peer where your ideal audience are and the media they're consuming so that is why I align the business to the right media and then they see results because mm -hmm. if there was a I don't know cleaning brand that wanted to be in vogue and they appeared in vogue they would never have their ideal client ever picking up a copy of Vogue and no. therefore it's pointless and they would think they would turn around and say Maya PR does not work yeah so yeah I get it um, I get it yeah I get that I mean what I've learned about PR I never looked at it but since I turned a full-time entrepreneur I've been looking into it more because as an entrepreneur I believe you need to at least research every possible strategy that you can have and especially as a purpose-driven entrepreneur you want to share your message with as many people as you can so that you can increase the likelihood of those people that resonate with me specifically 
will be attracted to me and they know that I exist. I mean, if I don't tell people that I exist and what I do and what I stand for, then it's actually useless. And I'm too purpose-driven to let that happen. But it is looking at the right platform and the right message at the right time in the right format even to hit bullseye. And I think that there's a lot of things out there or a lot of people out there that just use a hit and miss approach. I mean, okay, I'm going to do PR. Let me put that check mark on the list. I've done some PR and it's an interview on XYZ. I don't know. But you want to be mindful and strategic about it because it can either make you or break you. And there is no in-between. You can only get one shot at this and doing it right. And then expanding the opportunities of being more in PR, whether that is radio, television, magazines, or newspaper, I guess. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. It's getting, you know, if you're purpose-led like you are, uh, PR is fantastic for you. And to get your message out there to people who are going to resonate. Uh, yeah, so you've hit the nail on the head. So for those entrepreneurs that are listening and thinking, how do I get started? What are your some top three or top five tips? Okay, so with the media, the best way is to tell a story. Facts tell, stories sell. That's my motto. And when you open a newspaper, take the Telegraph, for example. When you read articles, they don't say, Here's Lubna, here's her website, and this is how much she charges, and this is what she does. And if it does say that, that's an advert. Mm. So, and adverts are what we switch off from because we're mm. so programmed to see them everywhere that unless they really resonate with you, that you switch off because you know mm. they're selling to you. Now, if you had a journalist talking to you, interviewing you in the Telegraph, what they're basically saying, is how good Lubna is. That would hold so much weight because the average person doesn't know that Lubna has had a PR that has pitched to the Telegraph or she's done it herself. What they're seeing is, crikey, Lubna must be good because the Telegraph have asked her to be in it, which is immediately fantastic for you. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you get into the Telegraph? How you get into the Telegraph is how you get on every other media. It's by having a story or a hook. So when I say a hook, it's got to be an angle. So if you're an expert in what you do, position yourself as the go-to expert. Talk about, if it's grief, for example, and you help people with grief, talk about what's happened currently. And, you know, it's lockdown. There's a lot to be said about grief, not just in the passing of people, but passing of careers and the life that we're all or we had been used to. So you're offering them something of value. Hmm. Now, you existing does not mean the whole world knows about you. You have to build that connection. How you build that connection is telling the media, hi, here I am. And... By doing that, you contact them via a variety of ways. Now, when people say, Maya, can you get me in a room full of journalists? It's a tough ask Mm. at any time. It's even harder during lockdown. Mm. If you want to be in a room full of journalists, go on to Twitter. Mm. 
because that's where they're all hanging around. So I would say build relationship with the journalists that write about what you do in your industry on Twitter. It's a perfect platform for you. And you build relationships or make friends with the journalists just as you would in every other area of your life. So when you and I connected, I didn't say to you, I'm in PR and this is how good I am. Get me on your podcast. Actually, you read my profile and said, we're going to be best friends because (laughs) you like sushi. And I'm like, please lock down, hurry up so we can meet for that sushi. We had a connection. Absolutely. So whether we work together or not in the future, that's irrelevant. If you ever need PR, you know who to go to. So what you're kind of doing is doing exactly the same with the media. You're telling the media that you exist. And if they have a story on grief or how to deal with grief, and they want the readers to send questions and have you as the expert or whatever context, you are available for it. They follow you on Twitter. They see your testimonials. They see, or they may not, but, you know, make, build them or put them on your platform and they will see it. Now, when you go into the journalist's inbox, they are flooded with emails. They have so many emails, I can't even tell you. You know, I was speaking to a journalist for one of my courses that I was doing and he said, oh, I get on average about six to 800 emails on a good day. Wow. When exactly right so when you know how a journalist works you know that's you're up against all those others now the inbox of a journalist is probably a longer topic than what we have time for but if you know that's what happens in a journalist inbox you want to stand out because some of those pictures might be if they're a lifestyle journalist what you might have is a construction company pitching to them. So not all those pitches will be correct. So the first thing the journalist is looking to do is to delete your email in the nicest possible way, just as you and I delete spam Mm. in our inbox or don't respond to it. When you have built that relationship out of their inbox, i.e. on social media, Twitter, when you land in their inbox, They recognize your name subconsciously. Mm. Oh, that's a woman that's been messaging me because it pops up on their social media. Second thing they look for is what you and I look for, the subject line. Mm -hmm. Now, write your subject line like a headline. Make it attention-grabbing so that they at least open it. And when you then write the email or they open the email, they send them your life story. <laughs> They're not interested. So I would recommend you send them a pitch that's very to the point, short, sharp, and says everything you want it to without being too long that you lose their interest. And if they're interested, they will contact you. But when you know that's how they operate, don't be afraid to follow up. Not in a stalkish way and say, have you got my email? but in a way that is powerful and is keen for 
them to know that you are keen to be featured because you can give them value to their audience, not that you want to get out there. So those are my quick tips. I love that. I really love that. So for someone that's listening and thinking, I want to get in touch with her, how do they do that? Okay, so the easiest thing I say, and I know this is going to sound quite obnoxious, but if you can't find me on Google, your internet's broken. Because <laughs> I don't know another Mayo Riaz. It's, my name is not John Smith, but there's going to be hundreds of searches. I'm on all the usual social media platforms, not Snapchat or TikTok, but I'm there. And I have one of the largest PR Facebook groups called PR Go Getters, where I help people for free in there so yeah just google me and you'll find articles you'll find all sorts and you'll find me oh I just love that usually the majority of our guests goes in well I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and I have to admit even I do that on interviews when I'm interviewed but google me is actually a really great way to do it because yeah you've got a unique name how many people will they find with that unique name so I really love that so As we are coming to a close, is there anything that we have not talked about during our conversation that you feel is absolutely necessary to share with our audience before we wrap this up? No, because your listeners are going to be sushi lovers, so I don't have to tell them, try sushi if you've never tried it before. (laughs) But no, we've spoken about sushi and I loved we've mixed sushi and uh, business together. When do you ever get that? I know, I know. I'm so grateful for having this podcast because it gives me the opportunity to have these amazing conversations. And I truly believe you can mix sushi and business or I wouldn't be here at all. So remind me of your name because I'm not going to do it wrong. Maya. Maya. I have to do this. It's a way. Look, look, it's spelled May as in the month. And then, ah, May, ah. (laughs) That's, that's, that's. I made May. it. Ah. Yeah, Maya. Like Maya. I made it so easy for you. It's pronounced <laughs> the way it's spelled. There you go. <laughs> but I've got Maya constantly in my brain. So every time I get to the point that I'm, I want to say your name, Maya gets into instead of Maya, and I'm like, oh. I don't know how people pronounce that because I've got friends that without the H at the end, their name's Maya. And it's like, no, but it's pronounced Maya. (laughs) So I get really excited if I met someone and they've seen my name spelled and they call me, especially on Clubhouse, and they call me Maya. And I'm like, read my profile because I put the pronunciation in there. Or I say, I love you just for like knowing how it's pronounced. (laughs) I know the feeling because a lot of people find it difficult to pronounce my name and some of them don't even, they say, just help me with your pronunciation so I don't get it wrong. But most of them do it right first off. So I'm respectful of the fact that it is important to get someone's name right. So Maya, thank you. It's been a pleasure, Libna. Absolutely. And for those of you that are listening, thank you for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneurs Sushi Club podcast. And we would love to know what has been your biggest takeaway or insight from the conversation. Do take a moment and share it with us in our Facebook group, the Entrepreneurs Sushi Club. You will find the link to this with all of the links to get in touch with our guest. 
If you know someone who will benefit from this episode, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that will absolutely benefit from knowing more about PR and how you can use it in your business, please do share this episode with them. And I am looking forward to catching you on the next episode. Have an amazing day. See you soon. Thank you.